Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And greetings, gardening friends. What a sensational autumn day we have. And today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. The team is here, Bev Daring, John Glidden. You can call us, you can email us, thanking the dynamic duo, Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton. They're a great team. They work very well together. And uh, what a fun morning Chris puts on every Every time he's in the studio, actually, he puts on a great show. And also thanking Jim Crinan as well. And Jim will be back later this morning at 10 a.m. with a classic 70s Fayakaro. You look like you need to say something. You're bursting. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Ray. I just get that feel with you that you just want to jump in and say I'm, something about I, gardening. <laughs> I always have lots to, to say, say and about gardening. How's Absolutely. the rain? How's the rain we had? Oh, Where man. am I? Where's my little sheet? We had... John does all this for us, which is fabulous. So far for May, 51.6 mils. How wonderful is that? 51.6 mils of rain. Mind you, last year, 111.6 mils. So we obviously had a really wet May. I don't remember that far back. May of last year must have been very, very wet. Well, it comes in bits and starts, doesn't it? I mean, it it is what it It, is. Okay, (laughs) and uh, it was sensational for the gardens. It was a decent drop. Yes, and it it kicks off fungi season, Ray. Yes, and tell us about that because we do have a special guest coming into the studio at 8.40 and we are talking about fungi and why it is so exciting to learn about. Well, it's amazing and to to, um, use the words that Eva Ricky coined recently, the zoo beneath our feet. And I I I don't think there's anything more fitting because Mm. there's a magical world that goes on underneath us that many people would be unaware of. Totally oblivious to. And when when these fungi emerge, they're what we see is above ground, but Mm. the network underneath is Unbelievable. It will blow your mind. So very much looking forward to hearing from Roz this morning all about the wonders of fungi. Okay, and she'll be joining us in the studio uh, very, very soon. We've got a lot of questions to get through, a lot of research. It's a special day, Perth Garden Festival. Want to hear from listeners who have already been, you lucky ducks. Uh, I normally like to do a bit of research so that I can talk about it today, but I have just been so inundated with work and life in general that I haven't had a chance to get there. However, I am going this afternoon. I'm going to sit and listen to you and have a really good uh, wander around. And I've had great feedback so far. I'm looking forward to it. And you couldn't get a better day. Look at the weather. I know. I know. And even although we had some good rain the other day, we had some beautiful sunny patches in between. And it's just perfect. People were out there. Masks are off now. Oh, please. I know. Doesn't that just feel great? Mm. Just feels great. Now, Ray, I been doing a little bit of homework I'm sure on my talk have. this afternoon yeah. and I do have some 
things to share with you because I'm I'm a bit pleased with these. So these are I beautiful pictures. This is show and tell. So this... we've got pictures of an adult hoverfly, hoverfly eggs, hoverfly larvae, aphids, and parasitized aphids. It's great to see these pictures up close because people you just really can't imagine what they it really does look like because obviously this is well and truly magnified. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, the the little critters that I've um, blown up here for yeah. want of a better word are <laughs> the the um, laminated photos are the about the size of a piece of printer paper a4 and so a hoverfly is smaller than your thumbnail mm. but it's like six times that blown up there's hoverfly eggs and i just want people to understand what they're looking at and i showed mm. jim these pictures and he said oh that's really a Amazing, you know. Last weekend, I heard you talking about aphids and their food for ladybirds. Well, that's right. People want to know how how do you get ladybirds in your garden? Mm. Well, hello, aphids are their food source. So yeah. I get really excited when I see them. It's not just the the ladybirds that come in; it's the hoverflies. Yesterday, I was out at the hardware store and I was checking the health of the roses. And I saw a few aphids, so I turned over the leaf and there was a hoverfly larva. Like, oh. people would not know what they look like. No. And I want them to know. I want them to understand that when they look at a rose and they think it's only got aphids on it, have another look. And these Nothing photos more. will show you what they're looking for. I've labelled them. Mm. So, you know, you... People will, after today, have an awareness. And then after the festival today, I will put something together and I will share it on Facebook and our uh, curtain page mm. so that people can get a look at what is in their garden. What they should be looking of, for. I mean, I love of, the lacewing eggs. Oh, I mean, that's Everybody just so has them. You yeah. don't have to do anything in your garden to have lacewing eggs. They're opportunistic. They fly in and they'll lay on your your pegs or your window frames or your outdoor furniture mm. and you would have seen them. A lot of people would have. A lot of people talk about habitat but this this goes below that, recognising what is habitat. A, a patch of sand is not just bare earth. A you know, as gardeners we want to mm. fill it up but let's acknowledge what goes on there? Mm. It is a zoo beneath our feet. Yes, I know. You're very pumped for today. And your talk is at 2.30. It yeah. is, yes, yeah. on the Rich Grow stage at the Garden Festival. Yes. And and I am pumped for another reason, Ray, because I actually went out last night for a little while. I was home in bed for a good night's sleep. Oh. But Rod at the East Fremantle Football Club made a little bit of an announcement telling everybody that I was Faye from Curtain Radio and I had people coming up to me afterwards and introducing themselves. So I want to say hello to Noel, who's worked there in the job. <laughs> they have a chook raffle and I won a you chook won last a chook? night. Okay. So thanks to Noel because he's been doing that job apparently for 25 years. To Ivy, who says she has about four radios on in her house in different rooms. So... I'm sure she's going to be listening. And Keith, who I'd say is a big Born in Boots fan. Born in Boots fan. And last night, Wayne Pride was playing music and singing along Elvis tunes and Hank Williams, Jambalaya. And it was just a very lovely evening. Yeah, nice way to finish the week. Yeah. Five o'clock, 
wind down, yeah. chats with friends and yeah. How how civilised. No, good Beautiful. on you. And it'll be on again next Friday, so okay. I will be back there. And, and so I've, dancing and well, a, a little bit, yes. Ivy did say she was going to get up with us next time. Um, <laughs> but the other thing right. was, do you remember, Ray, uh, I sent you words to a song that was penned by a lady named Sue Ambridge, and she wrote some words to the tune of Sounds of Silence when That's she right. couldn't sleep in the middle of the night, and she's an Orchid obsessed lady. That's right. I've actually passed those words on to Wayne and asked if he if can, he can put that to music. Oh wow! So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Mm. Okay, you're a busy girl. You're always up to so many. I know you've got fingers in so many pies, but they're all good pies. <laughs> yeah, I have a bit of a glimpse on on Facebook, and you're you're very very busy with all your passions. Oh well, this I wish week I could was... join you in your passions. Oh, I this wish week that I was Aroid Week, Ray. Mm. I just I started. <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole of anthuriums after uh, I, we noticed. Yes, after Prue's um, question last weekend. So I was doing some homework and finding a bit more about them, and then they came on sale. Uh, a clearance sale at a local supplier. And I'm staring at one right now. <laughs> uh, Faye brought a lovely anthurium in for John and I, so we were very thrilled with that. Thank you. And uh, it's a beautiful pink. And uh, the other one was pinker. And being being uh, the person that I am, I gave the darker pink to John. Ah. And well, I pastels thought, yes. are lovely. They're very yeah, no, girly, I love aren't a pastel they? Pastel pink, yeah, exactly. So, thank you for that. And no, I did see you fill your trolley. I was concerned because there wasn't any food in your shopping trolley. Ah, there was enough. We're enough not for big Eddie. eaters, and we can always scrounge something out of the garden. As long as you've got it filled with plants, you're on, <laughs> yeah. As I said to Faye, what are you going to serve up, Eddie? Um, Anthurium stir fry. Uh, yes, no. What no, they're toxic, Ray. I'm teasing you. You know that I'm playing oh, with you. If I didn't like him, I might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. Uh, you've given me a thought. No. No, I'm teasing. Has Don been misbehaving? <laughs> no, he never misbehaves. He never misbehaves. No, I wasn't referring to Don. Okay. 94841927 is our number. We've got lots of emails to get get through and some topics that we wanted to go through from last week, right? We have, and I have brought in also a poem titled My Mother. And this oh. this was uh, given to me at John's Open Garden by Florence Elsa, a yes. lovely lady who yes. shared some plants with us. Yes. And I thought it was only fitting that we read that out at some time today. Okay. Well, mm. you can read it out now. We have time. Is it long? Yes. Okay, do your best, girl. <laughs> okay. My mother, you are the earth that feeds me with your beauty, nurturing me as I toil with your soil, watching little seeds pushing their green shoots through the warm earth. My mother, you are the sunlight that warms me with your golden rays so that I may have more love to give. I walk forward as your light shines brightly on my path. My mother, I feel your gentle joy whelm up my soul as I watch the birds dancing in my garden. Their songs tell me I am free. They are part of me. My mother, you are the earth. You are the sun. You are the moon. You are the stars. And we are one, my mother. 
Oh, I love it. I've got goosebumps. Mm. Oh, my Yes, she's given me goosebumps. Thank you, Florence. Thank you so, so much. And she's written many, many poems, a lovely lady and a very sharing and caring person. Yeah, no, that's Mm. absolutely gorgeous and so fitting with Mother's Day tomorrow. Yes. yes. Okay. Oh, now we have another one. Now, this this should have been read out last week, Ray. This is from Suzanne. So, hi, gardening team. I am the happy winner of one of your Bigger Trees competitions in February. And just want to firstly thank you kindly and also to let you know that I particularly wanted to buy fruit trees. So, recently paid a visit to Pickering Brook. Bright place to go. (laughs) But the bare-rooted trees will not come in until June. So, I have placed an order for an Alberta peach, which I'm looking forward to growing again. I've been meaning to go to Bigger Trees for some time and was delighted to discover that it certainly is well worth a visit with many unusual offerings and now I have to make another visit. Oh, what a shame. I won the prize for knowing when the Fern Garden Open Day was and was totally blown away by John's amazing Mm. little world. I ended up having to go on the Sunday, but somehow the garden lent itself to being experienced in the pouring rain. Absolutely. What a treat. I think a couple of weeks after my win, another winner commented that she had been and had chosen some black eremophila. I was keen to see these also, but I asked the lady uh, and she said she never had eremophilas but was looking into it. So I must have heard it incorrectly. She says, Faye, I think it was you who said you also have one in your garden. I'd be most grateful if you could give some details about this plant such as its name and where you bought it. Lastly, I'd like to thank you for all your hard work to produce your excellent show on a Saturday morning. I always find it interesting and most helpful and always learn something new. What a bonus. Kind of regards, <laughs> Suzanne. Well, that's so, very nice email. Thank you, Suzanne. Now, it wasn't me that had the black eremophila. Ray, it was something you uh, a mentioned. Euphorbia. Euphorbia. Yes, blackbird, I think, was the one we're looking at. And I have it in my garden. Uh, I'll just have a quick um, scan through my notes. Blackbird, yeah, euphorbia. Blackbird was what I was referring to. I have five of them and they're growing beautifully. And I sent you guys a picture of it last week after we got off air. I sent it to you on your messenger page, you and John. And what is so beautiful about them is uh, they're relatively... Um, disease and pest free and all of those things and they're just when the when the sun shines on them they sort of give off this sort of reddish glow Mm. you know but it's a very dark um, foliage you know almost black and uh, euphorbias yeah it's it's a beauty and I'm pretty sure well I'd guarantee that they're up there Uh, but of course black eremophila would have thrown her off the scent Mm. absolutely so Mm. yeah so that's that's what we were referring to so that was a great thank you letter we appreciate the feedback on what people how they spend their vouchers as we live our life through what well, other people buy i do what i might do is get that photo and share it under today's facebook post so on people the know what it looks page. like mm. yeah yeah absolutely beautiful okay nine four eight four one nine two seven we're back in a moment Curtain Radio in Twenty-two minutes after eight, you listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye, and it's a big day. We've got Faye at the Perth Garden Festival at two thirty this afternoon in the Richgrove Stadium, talking about the uh, a home for everyone. It's called, and mm. I've got a, 
a little bag here next to me with some beautiful photos. And is that show people... and tell for this program or for this afternoon? <laughs> well, I, all I can see is big pieces of wood hanging I out know, of your bag. I know, because what I think is people have heard all about Habitat, but I don't know that they get it. You know, yeah, they, they mm. know that you do this and you do this and you do this. Um, when I've built a bug hotel mm. and I've got feedback from people, they say, oh, you know, nothing visited it. Well, mm. it's funny because when I deconstructed one the other day, there was things. there's there. evidence mm. of things happening that you don't see mm. and some things take a long time. So mm. we talk about putting pithy stems in there. Well, I want to show you what a pithy stem looks like yeah. and going back and pruning uh not so much roses, but hydrangeas or buddleias, you will come across some old pithy stems. You might then notice a little tiny hole in it. Well, suddenly you you realise, oh, this is it. So when we build a bug hotel, it's artificial nesting habitat, but we can learn so much of it right within view. Hmm. When we go and look in our gardens or look around our pergola, like I've got a piece of a pergola in here yeah, and <laughs> of course you do so yeah. <laughs> you know this is this is where you can start looking for existing habitat that you mm. already have i just want to join the dots for people and i yeah. want them to know yeah what what they're looking at when they see it and i want them to look closer because when you look at a rose with aphids on it or any knobbly bits there's a whole lot more there 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 could be a hoverfly larva there could be an egg it will be tiny, but it's there and you can see it if you tune into that next level. Mm. Okay. That's great that you're going so to demonstrate this. I've got in less than terms. half an hour mm. and, yes, I'm pumped because I've been working on mm. it and I just want to deliver a lot of information. I want to join the dots. Mm. I want to get to as many people as I can. Following on from that, I will put more and more info videos together that can be shared on Facebook. So... I just want to educate people, Ray. Mm, I know you do. I know. You're doing a great <laughs> job. Philomena of Guruween phoned in how to get rid of fruit fly from her orange tree. Okay. First of all, uh, make sure that any fruit that is dropped is cleaned up. Hygiene Moved. is imperative. Mm. Now, when when you bag it, you need to leave it in a bag or bury it or solarise it for weeks and weeks. If you're burying it, you've got to go really deep. Mm. Um you can net your tree and, of course, this also means pruning your tree to a size that is manageable. If you've got a very big overgrown tree and it's loaded with fruit, I mean, most people kind of want the most they can get. But in yeah. reality, if you're losing it, wasting it, throwing it away, you might as well just cut it down to a manageable size and get quality fruit rather than quantity. Yeah. Uh, so netting it is one way with a yeah. fruit fly net and tying that in against the trunk of the so tree. So nothing can get in. Well, and and or out because fruit fly lay their eggs in the soil. Mm. So if you've got your net draped over, the eggs drop, pupate in the soil. Up they boom, come again. Yeah, mm. they're still there. Mm. Um, so you haven't achieved anything. And, of course, there's also baits. You can get baits from hardware stores or you can make up your own recipe. Mm. and hang in the tree mm. and and you can do all of the above mm. and also right now look out for swellings in the stems of the citrus gall wasp yeah 
Yeah, it's quite prevalent mm. right now. Okay, thank you for that. And Patricia of Cardinia called in and she attended John's Open Garden and won the Bailey's Raffle Prize, lucky girl. Fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. I bought some tickets in that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, no one called me, so I figured that I obviously hadn't won it. Good on you, Patricia. And uh, we do have a $75 gift voucher to give away this morning. Again, compliments of Kerry from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. So we should do that sometime soon. And they are going down a treat, those little gift vouchers, aren't they? People oh, are, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, getting a little getting a little joy out of those and we get a little joy hearing about it mm. so give us a call gardening questions nine four eight four one nine two seven. we will rock it on to our next subject well let's talk about prue's call last weekend she asked about anthuriums yeah and she was looking at maybe putting it out in the garden mm. and i sort of felt that wasn't exactly the right thing to do no um so i went home and then i remembered dawn who runs the cactus and succulents facebook page i remember her sharing a photo which i forwarded on to you that was her plant Mm. and very large plant yeah lots of blooms yeah right outside her back door so like a different variety though oh there are a few different varieties definitely didn't have this sort of leaf no Mm. and it Hers has been in the family for quite a few years. She obviously knew what she was doing. John also had printed off some information. Um, and I have a couple myself that were in the shade house. Uh, so, they, you know, they're very hardy. But to get the best out but of them... But they're tricky. Well... I think they are. They're, they're not actually tricky if you know nope. what they like. That's exactly what I mean. So, yeah. tips for growing an anthurium are mostly about placement. Yes. It likes bright light. So, you know, we've talked about ferns that will grow outside, but they don't like direct sun, full sun, and they probably don't like the uh, exposure to frost either. Mm. So if you've got a situation where there's bright light, a clear roof patio would be perfect. Potting mix needs to be free draining. Mm. So if you... You've bought one and it's in coir peat. You'll know that coir peat holds a lot of water. Mm. You could probably upgrade the potting mix, use a, a good quality, probably an orchid mix or something that's got sand or extra perlite in it. So mm. that will make a light mix that will hold some moisture. Now, Dawn grows hers outside. She repots them every couple of years mm. and divides them as well. So you you know they clump so you Mm. can divide them by putting in a bucket of water and loosely distributing the roots put it into an open mix uh, and they fill out the pot pretty quickly so a bigger pot is possibly better giving it room to grow and they don't need a lot of fertilizer Mm. so if you give it too much fertilizer you will probably end up with a lot of leafy growth they don't like frost they don't like to be cold and wet Mm. In summer, maybe twice a week watering. Mm -hmm. In other parts of the year, not as frequent. But dip your finger into the mix and and try it out. So bright light, protection from cold and wind. And Bob's your uncle. Don't Mm. overwater. And a couple of handfuls of worm castings twice a year. Love that. Simple simple Mm. as that. Yeah, no, they're a great plant. Mm. I have one at home that's just so-so, and it's interesting. I've been moving it around, and I've had it. I've had it out 
the back in the al fresco at the back and I've had it in a few different positions and I put it in a position just recently where I it it's 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 added a couple of leaves and I thought ah, ah you like it here mm. yes you little scoundrel a couple more things sometimes they can get leggy and grow quite upright with the lower leaves coming away mm. you can divide it if roots come away from the nodes you can cut it off um, and the other thing is watering if you have it in a pot with a saucer mm. and the water comes out the bottom don't leave it sitting in that in that water mm. empty the saucer mm. so water it until the water runs through and then empty the saucer and away you go. I've seen videos actually where I've watched it where they actually immerse once a week uh, mm. the the actual plant, but then obviously drain it and then put it back to where it was. Literally, yeah, just once a week, give it a really good mm. in in, a, in and dunking. Great, mm. great to bring them indoors too. Mm. They'd go all right in a bathroom, do you think? Oh, I think so. Bright yeah. light, perfect. Yeah. And so, well, you've been keeping yours in your shade house. Yes, and. That's the thing. You know, they're, they're very tolerant. They'll yeah. they'll survive. Um, and, of course, in summertime, it got good shade and good amounts of water. So it was growing okay, but it was growing amongst other plants. So it's a bit, bit scrappy looking. Mm. Uh, and I don't think the potting mix it was in was ideal. Mm. I would rather repot it in springtime, but I probably will think about doing that sooner rather than later. Because I'm I'm going through and giving a lot of my aroids a bit of love, and they're just looking amazing for that. Mm. Okay. Aroids are any of the the plants, many of them leafy, that have a spadix or a spathe. Mm. A spadix or a spathe, which is this flowering part. Yes. So it's it's got the the inflorescence, which is the little piece up the middle, mm-hmm. and then around it is the bract. Mm-hmm which is colourful in the anthuriums. Yes, beautiful. Mm. Which, okay. Oh, also no. called flamingo flowers. Oh, okay. That's mm. a, a, another common, common name. name. Okay. All right. And can we move on to our next bit of research that we've done? Oh, the you've Sturge done. Desert Peas. Yes. Yes, I did do some research on that and uh, I have a pile of papers here. And sorry, Ray. Sorry, That's all right. Sorry. Live radio, doesn't matter. You got heaps of notes. We've got papers everywhere this morning, haven't we? We're both I in have. a bit of a Oh. <laughs> or shall we move on to something else? Well, all right, I'll just go from memory. So the Sturz Desert Pea, they have a tap root. So uh the gentleman that called in about it, Neville, yeah. I think it was, mm. lost them all when he put them in the ground. Yes. Now, but he also lost the one that was in the pot. So he propagated it. Everything was going really well. Uh, a friend of mine, Meg, was growing them. She bought one from a nursery and she lives in Mandra. She put it out in the garden and it did very, very well. So one of the things they don't like is improved soil. So they don't need a composty soil. They, mm. they like a sandy soil with really good drainage. Yeah. They can also be quite tall. So um, you may have to stake it if it goes up, but give them plenty of room to spread too and hold back the watering. In summertime, they will tolerate water, but in the cooler weather, they do not need a lot of water. Yeah. 
and now is not the time through the winter springtime again Lansdale Farm School they may have some for sale their sale is on the 29th of this month, 29th of May. They are a stunning plant. Oh, they are. And they do come Stalking. into nurseries, yeah. but in the warmer months. So if you were were heading north around July, yes, you'd see them around Caratha, Karajini, mm-hmm. uh, and down the coast as yeah, well. in their habitat. Oh, yeah. they're just they're magical. I can't tell you mm. how many stops I made to photograph them on the way back last oh, time. Yeah. No, I can imagine. Okay, and there was one more that we studied, you studied, I should say. Well, there was the one about the hippiastrums. Ah, yes. Now, um, this is from Kerry, and she was concerned that there was mealybug. Now, one of the things about mealybug in the plant is that it it can also be down in the root zone, and I Mm. sent her back a link um, as to what to do because we cover them fairly regularly. You can get methylated spirits on a cotton bud and, and dab that in. You can use an eco oil and pour that over the leaves and down into the soil. Yeah. A key thing is always to control the ants mm. because ants are a big problem in farming them. Now, hippiastrums are very likely to die down depending on where you are. And I would take my cue from the plant carry so as the weather cools the plants will start to go backwards like Mm. any bulb Mm. and at that point you would reduce the watering and given the fact that it has had merely bug um, like don't stop watering but don't over water it because it doesn't need it it. the the leaves will dry up and Mm. I would suggest probably taking it out when, when the bulbs are dormant and putting it into some fresh potting mix. That way you can really check the roots and give the plant its best start. Now, hippiastrums need to have the, the neck of their plant about one-third out of the top of the pot. Mm. So um, other than that, repot in springtime, feed it up, and you should have a good show over summer. They're tough. Mm. Yeah, they well. are tough. A lot of people grow them in the garden too. Mm. So in which They're case one of my you, favorites. Would, you would just set and forget. Literally. Mm. And uh, you're going to get uh, more each year as, as they multiply. Mm. So, no, I absolutely love them. And uh, I'm, I must say, they're, yeah, they're a herbaceous perennial. I'm waiting for my leaves to start to die down a little bit. And then when, that, when it does, I give it a bit of a tidy up and do very, very little for it. Do you just put the pot out of the way? Oh, it's kind of out of the way at the moment. Uh, I must say I, I brought it forward for more sun when I knew mm. that it was starting to push up spikes. And uh, it's, it's it's getting sun, but it's probably not in the, a premium position. It's kind of out the way at the moment, but it does very, very well. And uh, amazing uh, that all the little bulbs, it seems to like to be uh, hard up against the pop. You know, mm. they seem to enjoy that environment. I see people, even in my neighbourhood, grow them around trees, you know, to, to dress up a tree. Competition they, for roots yeah. or, you know, having that root competition can help them. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, no, and, oh, the flower is just mm. absolutely divine. And they spot flower a bit as well. I've had mine do some, of course, with the climate that we have these days, our plants do some very interesting mm. things. But, no, they're a very easy plant to maintain and 
Great to get some bulbs. Yes. Have we talked to anyone today, Ray? No, no. So you better put out an SOS if you would like to chat to a few of our listeners. I bet I bet you what? I bet you anything if I give away our gardening voucher to Bigger Trees, I bet there's someone out there listening. Okay, so if you would like to win a voucher to Bigger Trees and haven't won a prize on the station in 28 days and you are a Curtin FM member, lots of boxes that we have to tick, uh, give Bev a call if you know the answer to this question. This is another one of John's corkers. Name the plant of the following... Sorry, I'll start again. Name the plant family of the following. Apples, peaches, plums, cherries, raspberries, blackberries, strawberries, almonds, locusts and quinces. Name the plant family of the following. And of that, we have apples, peaches, plums, cherries, raspberries, blackberries, strawberries, almonds, locusts and quinces. Name the actual plant family. And you could be on your way to bigger trees with a $75 gift voucher in your pocket. Compliments of Kerry. So, uh, and, and a great, great nursery to, to get out to and have a good look around at any time. Specialising in frangipanis, ornamentals and fruit trees. Okay, we, after oh, the lines are there are some listeners out there, Faye. I can see I can see three calls coming in right now, and I bet they're not for us. <laughs> no, they want <laughs> they want the prize. I don't blame them either. All right, now you had some interesting emails during the week as well. I did the magic bean plant. Yeah, I I actually don't know a lot about, about it, it. Mm. but uh, Eleanor has sent us in a photo and she said she was given it as a gift in February and repotted it a few weeks after she received it because it wasn't drying out. So, yeah, this is what I talk about. The mix can be very wet. Mm. She used orchid mix and potting mix with perlite, watered it once a week uh, or once a fortnight, depending on how dry it is, and very soon after repotting it, the leaves started turning yellow. The new leaves look green and healthy, though. I noticed today that one of the beans looks soggy and mouldy and has little bugs in it that look like gnats but don't fly. Do you know what's happening and what I need to do to save it? Mm, the bugs, they, they could be gnats or they could be the larva of gnats or they could be just something that is breaking down the mouldy... Uh, rotting material -hmm. material but the thing is looking at the plant you know this it could have gone into a bit of shock or it could be the result of it being too wet previously the fact that it's got new growth and the new growth is very good good means we're, we're going forward and there doesn't seem to be a problem Definitely in the older leaves, it's showing signs of not being happy and that could be the history. What I would do is just remove the, the lower limbs where the, the leaves are daggy and you have a beautiful looking plant. And I would be doing this to, to most of your plants that you're tidying up at the moment. If you've got patio plants and they've got some daggy leaves, if it's just the tip, you can take the tip off mm. and tidy up the plants and you know give the soil a tickle or a repot mm, and mm. give it a, a light liquid feed good time and, to do it awesome. oh it's just it's been magical gardening weather mm. yeah okay so, so yep. do you think that that then if it if it does have gnats that would suggest overwatering 
Yes. Mm, yeah. Okay. But the fact that it's mouldy mm. uh, without seeing a photo of what the bugs are, it's a little bit hard to tell. I was at the hardware store this week and I picked up something that might be of help to our listeners and they were little yellow sticky traps for indoor plants. So popping something like that in the pot, mm. attracting the insects and, and being able to identify them could be a big help. Hmm. Okay, thank you. All right, now we do have a couple of calls to go to. We'll have a short break. When we return, we're chatting with Jan and Sue. Curtain Radio. Thank you for your company this morning. You are tuned in to Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest has just joined us in the studio, Rod's Hart. Good morning. Good morning. You found us? Yes. <laughs> it's not Good easy, map. is it? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, no. Thank you for joining us. We're going to be talking about the magic of mushrooms. We will go straight out to the lines and then we will have a chat with you very soon, Ros. Okay, let me see. Who came in first? I think we'll go with Jan in Averley. Good morning. Well, good morning, girls. It's Jan here. Yes. Hi. yes. How are you, Jan? Well, thank you. But I wanted to talk about um, passion fruit. Um, my son has um, been in this old house in Fremantle and I went down the back there the other day to have a look. He's got a grapevine and there's a passion fruit vine. I mean, we knew there were passion fruit there, but I got such a surprise. These fruit were huge and, you know, absolutely growing beautifully. Now, I haven't... I wanted to have a bit of a prune and trim things up, but I thought I'll just leave things for the moment because there's old leaves and there's the new leaves and there's the beautiful new fruit. So mm. what's the best thing now to do? To Are they purple fruit? No, it's an Ellie Kelly. I found the little label. Okay, all right. Yep, that's great. Uh, I would just leave it be for the time being unless you have to trim it back for... Um, reasons of it's getting into the gutter or whatever. No. Best time to prune it is springtime uh-huh. and that's the best time to feed it as well and give it plenty of water and food and mulching uh, because what that does is triggers new growth and that is where the fruit will come from. So it springs the time to do it. Yes, it's, it's been really hasn't been sort of um, cared for as such but it's beautiful. But I want to know when the right time is to pick the fruit. The fruit is really large and it's hard and it's green obviously so do you wait till it starts to turn another color or yes it it will uh if the weather conditions are right turn purple and just about drop off in your hand or fall off the vine when it is ripe yeah so you shouldn't you don't need to leave it till it's crinkly no just (laughs) well it just needs to change color and and often they will drop a little bit before they go crinkly Okay, good. Mm. Right, okay, thank you. Good on you, Jan. Cheers for that. Yeah. And let's go to Sue. Sue lives in Maddington. Good morning. Hi, Sue. Good morning. Um, I'd just like to say, girls, that my daughter and I went to the Perth Garden Show yesterday and we had an absolutely lovely day. Heard a few stories of how the nurseries have had a pretty difficult time. So if you're not doing anything today, it would be a lovely day out on the Perth foreshore. Um, we had a thoroughly enjoyable day yesterday having a look round. Oh, oh fantastic. Yes. Can't so, wait. <laughs> so there are lots of plants there? Yes, um, quite different from last year. Um, obviously, with not knowing if it was going to be on, the bedding plants weren't. There was a lot of beautiful succulents. Some lovely um, 
plants that you could have on a patio or if you lived in a unit. Mm. And the other lovely thing was there was some very nice, there were some lovely stained glass people and um, garden furniture. It was a very diverse show, but quite different from a couple of years ago. But we spent the whole day and it was most enjoyable. Yes, I can imagine that. Well done, Sue. Thank you for supporting our industries. And the other good news is I grow the beautiful Delbard roses and oh. I got that dreadful, horrible virus. Well, not personally, but... Mm. And we followed the regime my husband sprayed with success and Nemo oil weekly. And I think apart from a couple of bushes, we've got lovely new bright red growth coming. And I think maybe we've we've probably beaten it on most of the roses by doing that resume of the oil every other week. Well, the other good thing, Sue, is that with the the weather and the rain, the pest cycle, you know, will be inhibited a lot too. So it gives your roses a chance to to overcome it. Yes, it does. Because we'd put the oil on, I'd said to my husband, no, you're not to water. And when we heard that they don't like the wet... We stuck the water on and then put the oil on again. Yes. And uh, they're looking pretty good because it's, it was devastating. Mm. They're, they're those beautiful striped roses and it was dreadful to see them not looking very odd, to be honest with you. Yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thanks very much for your call, Sue. My pleasure and thank you for a lovely informative programme. Our pleasure. Thanks, Sue. But t- take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. And let's skip across to Dianella talking to Ben about New Guinea patients and a wasp in the lemon tree. Ben, hi. Hello, you? Good morning. Hi, good. I uh, I have got New Guinea patients that are potted on my front veranda and they get morning sun, so they get a little bit of a hiding in summer, but I shade them. But um, something's happening to them and the stems go dark brown and then black and then all the leaves just die off. And I don't know what that is that's causing it, whether it's too much water, not enough water or what, I don't know. And my lemon tree is absolutely riddled with that wasp to the point where I can't stay on top of it. And I'm wanting to know at this time of the year, is it okay to really, really um, trim back, prune back a lemon tree now? Uh, yes. Has it got any fruit on it? Yeah, it has. Okay. And the fruit are all, all deformed. <laughs> mm. Does the wasp do that? Well... The, the thing is, the wasp in the stem changes the sap flow. So it's compromising the flow of nutrients to the fruit. Okay. And, yeah, so you you do need to cut out all those swellings and hopefully yeah. you'll still be left with a tree. Now is a good time to do that. Okay, well, I'll get on to that. Mm. And now, what's your thoughts on the New Guinea impatience? How long have you had it? Years. Oh, okay. Have you repotted? No. Right. I suspect that it's probably run out of oomph and the potting mix could be a bit manky and holding too much water and that could be leading to the plant rotting. Well, it's uh, quite a big um, stand that I've got them in. It's about three foot high and I filled all the bottom of it with uh, polyurethane pieces Right. So that the water would drain down. So I don't think it would be too wet. But if it's uh, the potting mix has gone a bit skanky, would just putting Thrive or something on like that bring it back or not? Or do I just need to no. get it out? And what what I think, you know, when a, 
uh, pot has been not touched for years, sometimes yeah. you'll, you'll get earthworms in there. And when you take the pot apart, you can see that the mix has become muddy and waterlogged. And it okay. can, can also smell a bit. So it, it possibly needs refreshing and encouraging new roots. Because if you okay. fertilise a sick plant, it's, it's not necessarily going to help it. It might more likely push it over the edge. Okay. All right. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your information. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. And I'd like to hear how, how you get on with it, Ben. Well, I'll send you, the, I'll send you some wasps. And <laughs> you, can, you can keep those. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Okay. We do have to go to a short break. And when we return, we'll be chatting with Caroline about passion fruit. Now, I believe we've only had one call for the quiz and the answer wasn't correct. So I'm going to give you uh, the quiz question again. Name the plant family of the following. We've got apples and peaches and plums and cherries. It sounds like that song, doesn't it? <laughs> Raspberries, blackberries, strawberries, almonds, locusts and quinces. They are all part of a specific plant family. Family, I should say. What is that family? Okay, 94841927. Give Bev a call. Back shortly. Curtain Radio. You are with Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest in the studio with us this morning, Ros Hart. And Ros, we will get to chat with you shortly. We're heading to Dianella. We're talking about passion fruit. Caroline, good morning. Uh, good morning, ladies, and good morning to you. How, um, how are you all this morning? We're good. Thank Very you. Very good. Top of the world. How's your passion fruit, Caroline? Uh, it's, it's taking over. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's going up to fences. I missed, I only got the tail end of what you were saying to the other lady, so I hope I'm not asking the same question. I put in some herbs and it really brought the bees and I have so many passion fruit on it. Are they likely to ripen at this time or not? Well, if I had a crystal ball, I could probably yes. give you a better idea. Some, some likely will. It might depend on the aspect of the vine. If it's in a very warm spot or it's got a brick wall behind it, that will also help. But, you know, we're getting some beautiful warm days, so the chances are they could turn purple. They could mm. still ripen, mm. but they have slowed down. But there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to hope. Wait, wait and see. Mm. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, well, it doesn't matter because it's towards the end anyway. Those big winds we had the other day knocked a few of the flowers off. Mm. But sometimes when I go past it, I can just hear the bees humming inside oh, it. Wow. Yeah, I know, I love bees. Mm. So it was, it was lovely. Okay, then, that's yep. lovely. I just wanted to know what to do with the fruit. Thanks for that. Okay, yep, good just luck. Wait. Okay, thanks for the call, Caroline. Thank you, bye. Bye, bye for now. All right, we have a few minutes before the 9 o'clock news. Take so, it away. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about... Funky, we've got mushroom to fill in this morning. We on our do. Show. <laughs> we've got mushroom, very funny. And we are the fun girls, are we? <laughs> uh, we are the fun guys out there on the computer taking emails. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it it's off to a start. Rose. It is. It's a much earlier the start than we've had for several years, so we're all thrilled to bits and delighted. And is that why is that why? Because is of it? the rain. It's when the rains come that's is, what opens is, the season for okay. the fungi. So Perfect. people will start to notice things popping up and this is kind of the time of the year where we, we start to get photos sent in or questions on Facebook about this has popped up 
is it toxic or, you know, what can do I, I do? Yes. Yeah, can I pick it? Will that get rid of it? So what... Well, it certainly won't get rid of it picking up because fungi are amazing. They are underneath the ground and they're there all year round. We don't see them. We think that they don't exist. Yeah. They're extremely important and they actually help run the whole world. Without fungi, there would be no world. There would be no plants and there would be no animals. So fungi, we don't see them, but they are vitally important. Wow. And, and they I only, think, this is their fruiting time. Yeah, I, I just think a lot of people in general don't realise that. No, yeah. most people have no, no idea. idea. Mm. So, so what do you think when... When we get asked a problem and the answer is to apply a fungicide, how does that affect what's going on under the soil? It's a terrible idea. There's no need mm. to put a fungicide in. That's humans trying to you know, change their little environment where they are. Yeah. And we don't need to do that. The fungi have been looking after things for millions of years and doing mm. a really good job. Yeah. Why do we think we can do a better job now? So, so what are they? What is happening under the ground that so we don't know? Under the ground, um, fungi are sharing things. They're really into sharing and caring. <laughs> so we have mycorrhizal fungi, which we call the mates. So the mates actually team up with their trees and the fungi will actually provide nutrients to the trees and the trees which have um, photosynthesis, they actually can provide sugars to the fungi. So they're swapping and sharing. Oh, so wow. that's the nicest one of all. And we are now talking about there being a wood wide web, whereas trees actually communicate through the fungi to each other as well. Well, they're like root extensions, aren't well, they? Well, it's like the internet underground. Wow. They connect. Wow. Yes, mm. it is phenomenal. So, But not all fungi are mates. Some of the fungi are decomposers, and we need decomposers. Otherwise, we would be just so deep in all the leaves and rubbish and everything that lies around. So they actually release those nutrients and make them available. Mm. So the decomposers are very, very important as well. And if you've got decomposer fungi in your garden, that's a good thing. And you'll find if you put mulch down, you'll get more decomposer fungi. What, and what does it look like? Um, all, all sorts of different things. Various. In fact, we also have slime molds as well as um, yeah. the fungi that decompose. Mm. So the fungi that look like mushrooms that you're used to are just one sort of the different sorts of fungi we've got. Mm. We've got wonderful little ones that we call earth stars, mm. so little stars in the garden. And we've got, um, what are they called? Um, bird's nest fungi. Bird's nest fungi, that's right. And mm. some that smell really horrible as well. So mm. sometimes you get down there and look, oh, there's this weird red thing in my garden. And you go, <gasps> oh, it punks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It is nine o'clock. We'll pick up this conversation on the other side. I see sunny today with a maximum of 22. It's already 15.5 degrees, so we're nearly there. And the overnight minimum will be 10 degrees, maximum tomorrow 22, and it will be partly cloudy for Mother's Day. And on Monday, the minimum overnight will be 11. It will be mostly sunny with a maximum of 24. Now, we do have a prize winner for our little quiz, Jeannie Napier from Beachborough, and I know she's one of our regular gals as well, so... Uh, congratulations to you, Jeannie. That will be in the mail to you this week. And enjoy and do let us know what you get up to with it. Okay, now the question was, name the plant family of the following. And there's lots of fruits here, apples and peaches and plums and cherries and raspberries and blackberries. Now, they are all part of the rosaceae family. Rosaceae family. So uh, well done on uh, coming up with the answer, Jeannie, and these hard questions. We thank John Glidden for those. He feels that you need to earn your $75 Bigger Tree voucher and a big thanks to Kerry uh, from Bigger Trees for supplying that to the Garden Show each week. So uh, good on you. Enjoy it. Okay, back to business. So, Roz, now that 
fungi started popping up everywhere. How do people find it when they're out on their walks? Keep your eyes open <laughs> is the first way and mm. then know where to look. So um, trees are a good place to find them, around the base of trees or on the bark of trees is another place you can find them, just on the grass, on the ground and in the mulch. Like if you're, most of the local councils are now pushing mulch areas around their gardens and around their trees, mulch is a great place to look for fungi. And they're often fairly mulch coloured. So you've yes. got to actually open your eyes, get down, have a look. If you've got a four-year-old in the family, take them. They're closer to the ground and they have very good eyes. And they love it when you're interested in what they find. Yes, 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 I know. Well, you know, when you go on walks with friends, they usually walk differently to I do. The way I do, I'll take a step and I'll stop and I'll scan. So I'll walk over to a tree or the end of a log and I'll look up and down. And then, you know... I find you'll be on the ground photographing something. Well, particularly if you're down Pemberton Way, you're down on the ground. And and in the metre around you, you'll find something else and something Everything else. Everything lights up around you, doesn't oh. it? You're going, oh, look at this. Ah, and this one too. Oh, look at this. Yeah. Sometimes you get back home and you look in your photo and you go, oh, there's an extra thing in the photo I didn't know just was there. <laughs> yeah, can imagine that. And but, yes, they're not all brightly coloured at all. No, so, that's right. We do have some lovely brightly coloured ones. So we have a purple fungus that occurs in Perth. And I only saw it for the first time a few years ago. And it was up at Lightning Swamp. And our friends kind of went, oh, you know, the, the beautiful purple fungus is up at Lightning Swamp. And we kind of went, so it's a Cortinarius. Okay. Which yep. is, um, it looks like a mushroom. Yes, it yes. looks like a mushroom. Yep. But it's got a purple cap. And it's quite big. It's a good, you know, oh, seven or eight centimetres across How some pretty. of the big ones. And they're very pretty. Mm. But would you believe that they're hard to find in the brown leaves? Mm. They are. Mm. So unless they're completely uncovered and sitting out, mm. they can be hard to find. So Kirsten had told us whereabouts to look for them. And then we're pottering around going, there must be somewhere around here. And then suddenly somebody found one. And then we're, oh, wow, look at this. So mm. what does that have a relationship with? Does it grow in a sandy soil or is it on a wood like... Often they have relationships with something. It's mycorrhizal fungus. So cortinarius are like the um, the partners of eucalypts. So ah, cortinarius okay. are very, very common. We have a large number of them in Australia and we have a large number that don't even have them yet. Mm -hmm. Because you them, cortinarius are not a fungus that you want to eat, but they're wonderful partners for our eucalypts. And we suspect partner a lot of other, mm -hmm. but we're still learning a lot about them. But this purple one. So it was found in Kings Park the first time by a, a, a child. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Neil Bowger was leading a foray and this kid came across and sort of said, oh, wow, look at this. So, yeah. And what's your story about um, a recent find? A recent find was my grandson was in the playground in Kings Park at Sora Avenue with his mum. A playground? A playground. He was in the playground. But it's a lovely playground because it has a lot of... Um, native plants planted all around and a lot of gardens all around mm. so the kids can run in around under the trees and and around the, some um, stumps and logs there and Miles found this bronzy looking thing at the bottom of the stump and it was little little bronze balls and he said to his mum who's a musician you know what's this and she said I don't know and he said take a photo because Nana will know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I got a photo that morning in the playground I'm going oh well, give it a poke because that's my first thing. Do the poke test, a very gentle poke, you know, and if it feels really hard, you know it's not a fungus, but if it's soft. And they said, oh, we, we've already left now. So, so, but Miles remembered where it was. So that evening, Miles and his dad came down to show me. So Miles had to find it and it wasn't easy to find. It wasn't just mm. in a direct place, but Miles took me straight to it. 
And we had a look and I said, Miles, you found a slime mould. <laughs> oh, wow. And then um, I wasn't sure which slime mould it was. So I consulted Neil Bowger, who's the mycologist here in Western Australia. And he said, oh, wow, you know, look at that. So, and he said, hey, that's, what, that's not on my list from Kings Park at all. So wow. he got Miles to come and show him where it was. So Miles keeps bringing people back to Kings Park to, to have a look at his slime mould. And if you um, touch it and poke it too firmly, then um, dust comes out. It's yeah. like the spores come out. So tell people about slime moulds. I know that they're, it's a rabbit hole, isn't it? It is a rabbit <laughs> hole. So slime moulds were discovered in the 1600s or so because they move. So mm. they look like fungi some of the times, but they actually get together and move. So they start off as single cells and they wander around like amoebae and eat up bacteria and things like that. So they're cleaners. They just clean things up. Mm. And then when they've eaten all the food, they send a chemical signal out and they all get together and then they form, they come in together, move in together, and then they form a structure and then it releases spores. So they're individuals and then they come together as a community to work for the community. And Steve Stevenson, who works, well, he's an American who works worldwide on Slime mold said, slime molds are miniature works of art. Mm. And they are. They're tiny, but they are extraordinary. Mm. And they'll go from being very bright colours to very dull colours in virtually a matter of hours. So if you see them when they're bright colours, they won't stay like that for very long at all. You are just mm. very lucky. Lucky too. So sure. I know that there's a strawberry slime mold that yes. looks like strawberry. It does look like a piece of strawberry on yeah. something. Yes. And then others that are yellow that look like vomit. Or they can look like sweet corn. Some of them look like sweet oh, corn yes, or like yes. insect eggs. And that's eggs. been popping up very recently. On the insect group, people will show these little yellow dots and ask mm. if they're eggs. eggs. And I remember finding some in our bush a few years ago and I learned about fungi. And, of course, there's a, a Facebook group, but bigger than that... There is iNaturalist. Yes, yes, which um, is worldwide. So tell us about that, Roz. So iNaturalist is a wonderful group for us all to belong to. So it doesn't matter who you are. As long as you can take pictures, you can go on to iNaturalist. So so join up. In fact, if you are wondering how to join up, the um, Fungi Map page has got a section that explains to you exactly what to do because we're encouraging all sorts of people with fungi because we don't know all our fungi. You may well find something that's completely new that we don't know anything about. Yeah. But often many people will know what your fungus is. And particularly if you put it on the Facebook page, put it on the Facebook page so everybody can go, you know, wow, I've never seen that before. Or they can say, oh, yeah, I get that one all the time. Mm. But if you put it on our naturalist, it may take a while, but you will probably get an answer. And then you can go back to the Facebook page and say, hey, I found out what my fungus or my slime mold or whatever it was, what it was. So iNaturalist is very, very useful and not just for fungi. It's actually useful for all sorts of things. I found a paradise fly in Kings Park when we were looking for fungi and it's this odd-shaped thing, very strange Ah, the thing. male or the female? First of all, we found the male <laughs> with the little um, white hairs yes. and then we found this strange pinky thing that was the female. Mm. So we put it on to iNaturalist and then we got an answer. Got an yes. identity, identity, ID, I should say. Exactly. And they're yeah. the sorts of things when you go out looking for fungi you're going out in the winter and you're mm. often we don't go out in the pouring rain that's a bit silly but oh we'll no no because that's rained. when the rain moths come out too oh do they so there's, <laughs> so, there's something for every season yes that get is it. get it's out wonderful. have a look yeah mm. and i often get we'll get out in the rain but i won't take groups of people out in the rain in case no. they get too cold and wet <laughs> in the in my local neighborhood i've been noticing the fairy rings yes. on people's lawns and in the parks what is that all about that's all about because that's where the initial spores come in mm. to a spot and fungi are three-dimensional so they'll go they'll, they'll just grow right out in the ring 
So and then what they do is they've grown and then it gets to the point the fruiting season and then they'll fruit and they'll mm. fruit on the edge of the ring because it's all it's the young healthy ones who do the fruiting. Uh-huh. So they're all around the edge of the ring. Mm. So, so the ring, why. the the network of mycelium. Has it's come out, in, yes, underneath. it has spread all, mm. all around underneath. So the mycelium grows underground and we don't see it. It's like an apple tree. So the apple tree is there all year round and it only has a fruit in a certain season. Mm. So the fungi fruit in their season. Mm. And some fungi don't fruit every year. They'll only fruit when the season is the way that they want it to be. And so. is it a sign of a healthy soil? Yes, it's a sign of a healthy soil. That is good to know. Okay. All right. Now, Olga of Westminster wants to know, Is it the when is the right time to plant garlic? Now, right now, if you haven't yes, done it, do, do it. it now. Okay, and Anne of Inglewood phoned in. There's a Mother's Day giant plant sale on today between 9 and 1 at the Infant Jesus Church, Wellington Street, Morley. Um, so that's uh, Mother's Day giant plant sale, which is on today, 9 to 1 p.m. at Infant Jesus Church, which is 47 Wellington Street, Morley. Okay, let's head out to the lines. We're in Greenwood. We're talking about capsicum. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Good. We're all well. Very Thank good. You. How can we help you, Jeff? Right. It's um, my son has capsicum growing, and he's got apples as well. Now, the first thing was they. It looks like fly speck. You know, like their business just dropped on the. On the capsicum, yes. But the point is, they've eaten the whole inside. Ah, there's a few different caterpillars that can get in, and the moth lays the egg when it's still a flower, and oh. that is how they eat them from the inside out. So, if you open up your capsicum, you yeah. you may still find the grub in there, munching away, and all its droppings. Because he's found nothing. He's put them all in the bin. I told him to okay. take them off and just put them in the bin. But I couldn't see anything in there. It looked like uh, at all. And he sprayed it with eco oil and, uh, you know, things like that. And I've grown capsicum myself at home and never had any problems. Am I in two doors away? You know? Mm. Well, uh, yeah, certainly. The the apple. Yeah, certainly. Opening it up will give you some sort of indication, like we would inspect it and we would determine something. If it was, in fact, a grub, uh, there there might be evidence of droppings in there or a grub still, but the fact that they can get there from before the fruit develops makes them hard to actually spray. Yeah. And the same with the apple, would it? Um, well, there are different pests that attack apple trees. Is it the fruit? Yeah, little fruit. There are little apples, and they're just getting um, pecks on them, you know, from worms or whatever. Right. Uh, it could, well, maybe it could be birds. Either, yeah. uh, ideally, a photo would certainly help me, uh, yeah. or, or looking at the fruit itself. Or yeah. even putting in a plastic bag, taking to your local nursery, or yeah. the Department of Agriculture, Department right. of Primary Industries and Regional Development. Right. Now, what about hot chili? 
What about hot chilies? What eats what eats chilies? Oh, there's quite a few things that eat chilies. And uh, this is hot. This is a real hot one. <laughs> well, I I don't think caterpillars care about the heat. I don't think they've got the same sensory organs that we have got as humans. Mm-hmm. And once again, inspecting the fruit to see what the damage is. Yeah, they just go in from the outside, just goes little black spot, and boom, and they eat the the inside again. And mm, uh, not chili thrip. Well, there there mm. is the chili thrip. Yes, uh, but there's other issues out there. There was also the potato tomato salad. Mm. Uh, well, what do we do? Spray them with what? Well, we have to work out what what the problem is, what the pest is first, and is it continuing or has the cycle finished? So inspecting the fruit, Jeff, someone who knows what they're looking at, either oh, a photo, yeah. Uh, all right. So take it to a nursery. That that will be your easiest option, yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks, Thank you. No worries, Jeff. Cheers for that. Yeah, have a good day. You, you too. too. And we're heading to Morley, talking about fungi in Iceland. Well, Pamela, good morning. Uh, good morning, ladies. I'm glad I don't have capsicum. That all sounded disgusting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wasn't very appetising, was it? <laughs> Just wanted to tell you about some um, fungi I saw in Iceland about 18 months ago, back in the day, you know, when oh. we could travel? Yes. <laughs> so yes. Good old when, days. when was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking through a park with a friend and it was uh, September it would have been, so getting towards autumn, into autumn, and I saw ahead of me what I thought was a little um, sculpture, garden sculpture, around the, around the edge of a garden bed. It was little silver, um, it, like toadstool-shaped things, sort of tallish ones. And I thought that was rather a pretty sculpture and how interesting, but a funny place to put it. <laughs> they were actually fungus. Oh. And they were silver. They were actually silver, like metal. They looked like metal. Did you photograph it, Pamela? I actually have got a photo somewhere, yes. And I had to get down and look at them to make sure they were really what they were. Yes. (laughs) They were amazing. I then saw some more dotted around this particular place, but they were amazing. They were actually silver, and they were just so unusual. Oh, well, that's lovely. Have you seen them? Well, we do have one fungus here that can look very silver. It's very – was it very moist, very wet? It would have been. It would have been quite damp. Yeah, it was a lot of rain around at that time. Yes. Iceland, yes. I think it rains all the time. I Iceland. think it does rain all the time there. I've never been to Iceland, so I'm very jealous that you managed oh, I'd to go love there. To go. That's lovely place Yes, to I can go. recommend it. I wanted to go again last year, but obviously couldn't. Right, yeah. yes. <laughs> I have no idea what fungus it is because we have very different fungi in different countries. And Australia's yes, fungi are very that. different to the rest of the world if as well. If I can well. get a photo, I'll send it through because it, it's... That would be lovely to see. Amazing. I honestly thought they were a sculpture. They were so... I've seen a fungus in Precise. Poland that I thought was a sculpture. It was so big it looked like a little stool to sit on. Oh, Goodness wow. Yeah. me. And I was going, I can't believe And I had to poke it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I suggest people do. Give it yeah, a gentle poke. But photograph, photograph it first before you poke. Yeah, in case something happens <laughs> and it all disintegrates. Yes. <laughs> that's right. So a photo is always the best thing. And when you do a photo of a fungus, take the top and the bottom because we want to see what's underneath the cap, whether it's got ah. gills or whether it's got ah. pores or whether it's got teeth. Some of them have teeth. 
So, oh, good heavens. Yes, well, they're sort of like sharp teeth, like, you know, one of those alien-type things. Good. <laughs> yes, I, me. I love those red and white spotted ones they have in, well, in Switzerland they have those, and they just look like the ones you see in um, fairy stories. Exactly. They do. Yeah. We call them the fairy tale mushroom. And yeah. sadly for us, we actually have them down at Manjimup now. You do. Because they're mm. an invader. Oh. Yes. So they're a weed. Yeah, um, they are gorgeous. To look they at. are gorgeous, and all of us love taking their photo. But you know, we don't really want to encourage them in Western Australia. No, true. Thanks for sharing, well, Pamela. Go. I just thought I'd let you know. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, love. Take care. Bye. Okay, time for a short break. When we return, we're chatting with Andre. Twenty-five minutes after nine, you are listening to Let's Talk Gardening. So we have thirty-five minutes left of the program. We are in Lancelin. Andre, hi. Good morning. How are we? Very really good. Well. Thanks, Andre. Thank that's good. That's good. Um, you're obviously better than my avo tree. Oh, your avo tree, avocado tree. Yeah, avocado tree. It's a. It's about four meters tall. It's a big tree. I've had it for quite a few years. Um, I get plenty of fruit on it, and this year it's uh, got fruit on it, and all of a sudden it just decided to start dying. Mm. Okay, Lancelin, Sandy. Between, I'm, be- I'm, I'm between Lancelin and, uh, and, and Ledge Point, so I'm actually sort of 10 kilometres from the coast. Okay, so yeah, it probably really doesn't like the cold winds, co- the cold and the winds. They also can be uh, prone to root rot or phytophthora. What, when you say dying, is it the it, branches or the leaves? The leaves and the branches seem to be dying, not, not just the leaves. The leaves started dropping off and then the branch, when I checked the branches, the branches are actually dead as well. Um, it's still holding its fruit on. Some of the fruit dropped off, but it's still got a fair bit of fruit. But probably half the tree looks as though it's completely dead. Like a dieback or mm, something. Yeah, and and that it could be. Well, I think you've probably got one option uh, other than checking everything like mulch and, and root-wise and watering. They really do need good drainage. But there is something that you could use uh, a, a product called anti-rot. Um, anti-rot, yeah. And that can be used as a preventative and or a curative Okay. For root rot diseases, or particularly um, phytophthora. Okay, anti rot. I'll, I'll mm. give that a go. Yeah, and the instructions are on the label. I think for for a preventative, you could do it every six weeks. For a curative, okay. it was about every three weeks. Could be okay. a bit hard with such a big tree, but make yeah. sure that the root zone is protected because they do have very shallow roots. Yes. Yes. Um, should I cut the dead branches that are uh, that are dead now? Should I cut them off? Well, yes. obviously they're not going to come back. Yes. I'll just remove them, shall yep. I? Yeah. Uh, because the tree will stop trying to put its energy into that. Okay. And, All right. And it will make it look better, and you can also monitor whether there is continuing dieback or whether you can actually stop it. So make sure you've got really clean uh, pruning tools. Okay. Because you don't want to encourage any infection or disease to spread further. Fair enough, I'll do that. Mm. Okay, thanks very, very much for that information. You're welcome. Good Good luck, luck. Andre. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. And Marilyn of Girouine phoned in and she recommends Di Morrissey's book called Arcadia, 
which gives a real insight into fungi, a very interesting reading. Have you heard of that one, Ross? No, I haven't. So okay, I need to that's a nice a recommendation. Yes. So the book's called Arcadia. And Florence phoned in of South Lake. We read her poem out earlier, oh. and uh, she was thrilled to hear that it gave me goosebumps. Yes. It certainly did, Florence. I'm a bit of a bit of a softy underneath. Not that you'd know it. But, uh, she actually recited it to me once on the phone, and I had yeah. tears in my eyes. Yeah. The next time I got goosebumps. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. It, it, Talk it about have... the... Invisible threads. Yeah, it gets you on a cellular level, doesn't Mm. it? Yes, that's why I like my little gardenisms and all of that that I like to mention each week. It's, uh, yeah, just gives you a little bit more insight into how we feel as gardeners and what gardening, how it impacts us. Mm. Yep, savour the gems. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, we do have... Some free lines, 94841927. And uh, you can email your question this morning by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And whilst I'm on my hobby horse, we also have a podcast that you can access uh, after the program. All our pro- shows uh, are situated on our website. So if you go to curtainfm.com.au, hit on the front page, you'll see programs, Click on there. There's a drop-down bar. Click on Let's Talk Gardening and away you go. Fantastic. And, Roz, if people want to find out more about fungi after today, we've hopefully inspired them and sparked an interest and they'll start seeing them and want to identify them. Where can they get more information? One of the best places to go to get information is the Fungi Map website. So Fungi Map started as a group because um, in the 90s we just didn't know enough about fungi in Australia. So it was a group started to actually get people to look at fungi and put photos in. And of course, this is way before mobile phones, way before cameras on your phone and things like that. So people would actually send them in, use a data sheet to write in the information. So now we use iNaturalist, which I've been talking to you about before, but we have an e-news and we have a whole website. Fungi Map puts out a book. We have a hundred species that are easy to see and easy to identify and we're working on a second book that will have 200 species in it wow but that hasn't come out yet so so don't hold don't hold your horses back for that one get the one with the 100 species in and that's a lovely book called fungi down under Fungi ah. down under so give us a little bit of a background of you ross how it all started your passions well, let's say my mum was a biology teacher, so I think it all starts there. <laughs> he was, yeah, you had the no choice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my son is an ocean engineer because I took him to the ocean when he was nine days old. He said, it's all your fault, mum. You did it. Wow. <laughs> and now he's married an ocean engineer so, oh. <laughs> and lives near the ocean. You wow. really can influence your children, can't you? You certainly can. But yeah. my mum used to take us up in the hills to look for orchids and, and, yeah. and see things. So... I think I got into fungi when I was a uni student and I was into caving and we got used to go down to the Baranup Forest and there were so many fungi oh, in the Baranup yes. Forest and I just loved them. Mm. I was really, really interested. So I think that's where my fungi interest started. Mm. So And then I did microbiology at UWA. Mm. So, But we didn't do much about fungi there at all. Mm. So, yeah. So, mm. so then what happened next? What really kicked off? Well, I married a zoologist, so 
It's a really intricate family. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, so we used to tease each other that he was the macrobiologist and I was the microbiologist. I, I would love <laughs> to be at micro. your family dinners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, what my daughter-in-law, who's a musician, yeah. does look in my fridge occasionally and go, oh, yuck, what have you got a lizard in your fridge for? Because oh. it's going to the museum so they can stuff him. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. And my mum thought it was wonderful having, you know, a zoologist for son-in-law because she'd married an airline pilot. So he wasn't interested. Well, he was always interested in things she showed him, but he didn't. He came from a farm. So so I have a very mixed background, I tell you. I'm a, I'm a real mongrel. <laughs> no, wonderful. So have you studied mycology? Uh, not officially. I've taught it, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't actually well, studied it myself. Well, it is interesting because... It teaches you, doesn't it? When oh, you're absolutely. out there and you're finding it, you know, you don't have to sit in a classroom and physically study you something. so much more going out there. Yes. That's right. And I've been, I'm a volunteer guide at Kings Park. And so I've been teaching the Kings Park guides all about fungi. Oh, and oh, so fabulous. we go out every winter and we have fungi walks. But I need people with eyes and legs because they can walk ah. and find the fungi. And then yeah. they show me more things. So I see so much more when I go out yes. with other people. Well, it's that extension again, isn't yes. it? Yes. And you oh. share, it's sharing. Yes. It's very much sharing and showing people and getting people to observe. And my brother's very good at finding fungi too so I love walking with him because he sees so much my husband's very good at finding things and my grandson yeah that's right Mm. so we just need to encourage people to look because there's such weird and wonderful shapes and when they're fresh and they've just come up that morning they are magic there's nothing quite as lovely as fresh fungi in the morning (laughs) (laughs) thank you for sharing (laughs) all right let's get out to Wanneroo we're talking we've got a couple of questions coming up about mandarin trees we're in Wanneroo with Joan good morning hi Joan yeah great good morning ladies how are you very good thanks Joan how can we help you uh, my mandarin tree is uh, fruiting, but I find that there are a lot of worms in it. Once I pluck it and leave it on the table, it turns black, spots, and it got some worms in that. Are your fruit also dropping off the tree, Joan? Yes, yeah, they're dropping off the tree too. Right, okay. Very important that you pick them all up. It sounds a little bit like fruit fly if the worms are small and, well, actually maggots. Yeah, yeah, tiny white ones, yes. Okay. Were you listening earlier when we talked about uh, protecting a a tree from fruit fly? Oh, no, I was not listening. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, first of all, you need to get rid of all the affected fruit and dispose of it appropriately. So, putting it into um, a bin isn't good enough because the larvae can pupate and hatch out. Uh, there are fruit fly traps that you can get and you'd want more than one. For next year, you might think about netting your tree. So that means bringing your tree down to an appropriate size that you can get a net over it, a fruit fly net, and you tie that around the trunk. And the reason for that is that the fruit fly pupate in the ground. Um, yeah. Using chickens in in an orchard or amongst fruit trees, chickens and ducks are fantastic because they help keep this down. So that's one way of uh, using integrated pest management. And um, yeah, so your baits and traps and and netting your tree, two things, and disposing of the fruit appropriately. Okay. And what do you uh, make the a uh, fruit sweet, what do you usually uh, 
what many or something you give it for the fruit to make it sweet uh potassium can help also yeah. uh Sunlight is very important for your fruit trees to develop the sweetness. So leaving them on the tree helps develop the sweetness. Yeah. And making sure that it's got adequate moisture. So the tree's not, not stressing at a time where that fruit is developing. So over summer. Uh, you think I should uh, prune the tree now? I can prune it? After it's fruited. After it's fruited, yeah. Okay. Should I cut it down or uh, just for the side branches has to be cut? Well, uh, because it's a citrus, you should be also looking out for the citrus gall wasp. But after you've taken all the fruit off, that is a perfect time to trim your tree and put it to a manageable size so that you can get a net over it for next year. Oh, oh okay. 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 few jobs okay, for you to so do, Joan. Thank you very much. Okay. Good luck. Cheers, Joan. Bye. And we're talking about mandarins again. We're in Maddington. Trish, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Trish. um, Hi. I sent a couple of photos um, through email, but I don't know if they came through yet or not. Oh, I haven't um, got anything yet. Yeah. Not to worry. Um, The last two years, my mandarins have been so bitter, so terribly bitter. And I put the um, citrus fruit on when it's supposed to, you know, the fertiliser on when it's supposed to. Mm. And I also put potassium on and I also bucket out the shower water during summer. Um, but they've just, the last two years, they've just been so bitter. Oh, that's that sounds so quite know. bizarre. Uh, yeah. uh, is the tree getting enough sunlight? Yes, it does. Yes. And moisture over summer? Yes, yeah, it has the um, reticulation on, but I said I do bucket out the um, shower water to it. That, and is and that the lime tree next to it? You know, they, they, the lime tree is doing fine, but the the, the um, mandarin tree is just just bitter. Yeah. And is that new? Well, uh, it's only fruited. This is only the second year that it's fruited, and both last year I threw them all out, and this year I'm throwing them out as well. So they're just so bitter. I wonder. Do you know what variety you've got? No, sorry. It's just that was going to be my somebody. question, mm. yeah. It, yeah. It doesn't really make sense. Mm. Um, I, I don't know of a, a bitter mandarin tree and it sounds like you've done all the right things. I, the research I've done indicates that adding potash or potassium mm. can help sweeten the fruit. But it's yeah. also fruit develops uh, sugars and is it's measurable um, so the longer that it's left on the tree to develop with sunlight, the sweeter the fruit should be. Yes, yeah. Hmm. But it's just yeah, just not working. So I think I'm chopping it out and putting something else in. <laughs> mm. Well, yes. Um, I, w- I wonder if we might be able to identify the variety of fruit. All right, that's something I'll, I'll have to have a bit more of a look at, like what varieties are available and yes. if this is this is common or uncommon, uh, and the only thing I can think, if it is a variety that isn't good, yes, chopping it out and replacing it would be the best bet. Mm, yeah, I think that's the, probably the way I'll go because it's just two years now I've been throwing things at it and, and it just doesn't seem to want to play the game. So 
Well, don't do it just yep. yet. Let's just find out a bit more. It'd be a shame to have waited all that time and to find out we can actually do something about it. Yeah. Okay. All, all right. right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Trish. Trish. Okay, bye. So it needs lots of nutrients and the moisture kept up to it when the fruit is forming. Well, she says she's doing those things. Yes, yeah. yes. But, you know, maybe there's something more to it. More I, th- to I it. think Chris Oliver is one who might know, so I'd ask him. And maybe, you know, the fact that it's got become established, I wonder if it would be worth grafting. Mm. So, yeah, All more right. research. Let's go to Gosnell's Jim. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Morning, um, Jim. Question about um, pawpaws. I was given two pawpaw um, seedlings probably about, um, I don't know, 20 centimetres high each. Yes. And I planted them at the beginning of summer. They're both, one's, well, one's about a metre high. One's probably about 1.3 or 4. Both growing well, both producing lots of leaves at the moment. <clears throat> Pardon me. But one has gone yellow. The leaves have gone yellow over the course of probably a few weeks. Um, and the, the little veins in them are more pronounced. So one's healthy, nice and green, and one is a yellow. Any mm. ideas? Uh, certainly it sounds very hungry. It's it's lacking some nutrients, or it's hit something that it didn't like. So uh, pawpaws are gross feeders, but they're tropical plants, so not too much water over winter. The other thing is if it did get too much water, then that could affect its roots and also make its leaves go yellow. Uh, So I would uh, kind of put it to bed now with a big layer of mulch and I guess a little bit of fertiliser. I I like a controlled release because you could do that a couple of times a year and it's released gently to the plant. Okay, I gave them some controlled release fertiliser probably, I'm thinking about a month ago. Okay. That, I gave them some dynamic lifter and that they seemed to like that. Yes, yes. Um, I've just given um, them some um, some seaweed just this morning. Perfect. So they have, uh, each one is probably got about 100, 150 mil of um, uh, wood chips around them in terms of the mulch. Is that... How am I going so far? Yeah, yeah, no, that, yes, that sounds exactly the advice and that was where I was going to go next with it, like a seaweed tonic. I, I'm i just worried that it might be cold or water related in regards to the roots. So, yeah, and me. make sure that the mulch is not too close around the trunk and causing yeah, no, a collar good. rot. No, that's good, the um, I'm in a, I have a very uh, loamy soil, but I've dug a hole probably about, I don't know, in the best part of three quarters of a metre wide and filled it full of um, soil improver, you know, the, the, the green shop soil improver yes. type thing. Yes. Um, so that's how I, I planted them. I'm just wondering whether the roots had got out into the clay um, a bit early before this thing got established. Mm. The other thing is, I know we haven't had a lot of cold weather, but we have had torrential rain at time. I wonder if you might put a like an enclosure around it, something to protect it, plastic, uh, right. to to make like a a mini hot house to help it with the temperature. Okay, around it, not over it. You mean? Well, even around it will help 
you know, to give it a microclimate that's warmer because we've still got all the winter to go through. Yeah, that's right. These, yeah. these things are only probably about two metres apart. Mm. So they're not, you know, they're both in the same environment. So yeah. maybe it's more more in the ground than it and, is. And something might have happened that you can't do any anything about. Uh, you know, yellowing, if the, the leaves go limp, I'd be worried about the roots, and I don't know if there's any coming back from that. Yeah, no, no, they're. Um, I mean, they're still growing. Um, the, the bottom leaves fall off as they normally do, but uh, and they're producing plenty of new leaves. But um, well, that, so maybe that yeah, that sounds good, Jim. We have to get to a break, but keep an eye on them. It sounds like you've done everything that I would recommend. Just monitor them. Okay. All right. Thanks for your help. You're Thanks, welcome, Jim. Okay. Cheers Bye. for that. When we return, we're chatting with Bobby and Gabby. Straight back out to the lines. We are in Luca saying hello to Gabby. Good morning. Oh, good morning, ladies. Morning, Gabby. Thank you for a fabulous show. I love it. Oh, that's good. We've been talking amongst ourselves a lot today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I live in Aluka. It has the most dreadful alkaline soil. I'm on a cottage block. I have a gorgeous native garden inside the fence and along the verge, another native garden. Now, I have, I think it's eucalyptus, eucalypt, macrocarpa, the white stem one that weeps with red flowers. Yes, huge red flowers, aren't they? Yes. Yes. it's reaching for the sky. It's probably been in, oh, five, six months, and it's just going up and up and up, but it's only got the single stem. Now, if I was to cut a piece off, would that make it branch out? I'm sure it would, but um, I wonder, Ros, do you know if this is a Mallee-type tree, the Macrocarpa? From I don't Kings Park? think it is because it usually grows up at Bajangara, that sort mm. of area. So, and I'm, you know, they usually are quite stunted and quite low, but that may well be because of the winds. Mm. No, I'm so. just wondering because some of the the Mallee trees you can cut to the ground and, they and then will they'll come have lots up. more stems. Mm. Yes, uh, I think it's worth, uh, you know, chopping the top off and just seeing what happens because I think that it won't kill it. Ros, Ros said, say, do "No, that. I didn't yes. think I'd kill it either." No, I, I... and you want to get much more branches so you get a lot more flowers. Oh, yes, yeah. as I said, it truly is reaching for the sky. That is interesting. It is a yes. species of Mallee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. Yep. But yeah, failing cutting it off at the ground and getting the no, I don't. More... I don't want to do okay. that. Okay. No, just All right, the top. then lop it. Yep. yep. Permission Lovely. granted. Thank you very much, ladies. You're welcome. welcome. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that recall actually reminds me of Jill Hurd. So shout out to Jill. If you're listening, young lady, we hope you're trackling. Well, I thought that too, Ray, because Gabby said, I've got terrible soil. And I just Mm. heard Jill straight away go, no. And and obviously her tree is growing really well. It's perfect soil for natives. That's what they like. It is. All right. Let's head to Meadow Springs. Bobby, hello. Good morning, everybody. Hi, Bobby. Uh, everybody else says, love your show. Oh, I don't take up too much time. <laughs> um, I live, I've got a nice back lawn and lots of gum trees on the golf course behind that. Lots of birds come to visit. I've got a bird bath. Uh, even get Regent parrots from time to time. 
Lovely. But what I want to ask you, the, the magpies love it too. Now, I get like a, a whole flock of them. You could say just about poking around on the lawn all the time. I've never shooed them away. But is that good for the lawn because they're eating all the worms? Well, it, it might not be worms. It could be the caterpillars and the curl grubs. Uh, I see that I can actually ski. I think they're skinny worms because okay. like, I can see them sometimes, yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't shoo them anyway, but I'm just wondering, is it good or bad? Well. It depends, doesn't it, if it is worms or... <laughs> it depends who you are, I suspect, because if, I, if I've if i got birds in my garden, you know, they, they've got a free reign, like. Just, yeah, I just think too. go for yeah. it. Uh, if oh, yeah. you ask someone who wants a bowling green lawn, they'll probably say, oh, it's bad and, you know, I don't oh. want worms in my lawn because they leave piles of castings and it looks untidy. But well, for a natural garden, I I think it's fantastic. Yeah, okay. I, I think it is too because I'm quite friendly with them. <laughs> but um, I just thought, I wonder if they're taking the goodness away by eating Proper worms. They look like real worms. You it's know? just nature. It's, and they'll be yeah. helping to aerate the soil. And you realise you've got a family of magpies because magpies live in family groups. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think great, great, great grandfathers there. Yes. Too. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that is yeah. beautiful. Well done. Okay. Girls, have a lovely day. I bet you go down the pub when you get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did, I did that last night. I'm off to the garden show today. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> thanks, okay, Bobby. Thanks for making, giving us a happy morning every oh, Saturday. Lovely. Bye. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, love. Bye. Bye for now. All right, look, you know what? We'll go to a break, and when we come back, I would love to chat with Marion and Daniel and Brian. Oh, no, we won't go to any break. Keep chatting amongst yourselves because I haven't even loaded it. We get so busy. That's my fault. All right, let's go to Marion in Heathridge. Good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. Oh, morning. I'm I'm just ringing up to say that the garden show yesterday was absolutely fantastic and you couldn't get a better venue. Oh, wow. I hope that they keep on with the venue. Uh, Thousands there. Uh, The parking was absolutely marvellous. Good to hear. Uh, And you had to pay $7 and that was for as long as you wanted. Yes, capped for the day. Great. Yes. And uh, I also, I think I went to that tassel, tassel... Nursery? Tass One Trees, yes. Is, where are they? They have, oh, they're up in, oh. Middle Swan direction. Yeah, but are up they? 2J Road, I think. Oh, uh, well, I didn't get the address, but I'll tell you what, they had so many different fig trees, mm. I didn't know what to get. So I went, <laughs> and, I went and asked the boss man, and I bought one called Strawberry Kungazava. Kungazava. Oh, yum. And it's a mid-season red flesh. Oh, oh, sounds it superb. sounds like one of the ones that when you open it up, it looks and tastes like strawberry jam. Mm, well, uh, he had they're a beautiful size and they're only $20. Oh, that's a bargain. You could have got a few there. <laughs> Marion... Oh, God, I haven't got the area. <laughs> no, it sounds wonderful. We're heading there this afternoon. We cannot wait. Thank you for the oh, testimonial. They, they did an absolutely marvellous job. But I'll tell you what... 
the um, uh, Robert Melville's nursery roses were not there yesterday. No. Went up and down, up and down, and apparently he was all ready to go the week before, but he didn't get there yesterday. Yeah, no, never mind. But uh, I know there was a couple of uh, rose companies uh, there displaying. Yeah. Okay, Marion, we have to disappear, young lady. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Thank you, girls. Cheers for that. Bye. Bye. Try again. Curtain Radio. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening, and there is a fundraising plant sale on today at to support the Darling Range Wildlife Shelter, which is a fabulous organisation and we're more than happy to uh, mention this to our listeners. It's on today, 87 Kenwick Road in Kenwick. So that's in support of the Darling Range Wildlife Shelter. Now let's get straight out to Rockingham. Daniel, thanks for waiting. Hi, Daniel. Good morning. How are you, ladies? Yeah, great, we're great. Thank you. Just a quick question before we go off here, because I know I'm a bit late. That's We've got some problems in our veggie garden with uh, caterpillars, right? Yes. And we've been spraying with perifian, right? What I want to know is, do, does the perifian have a life on it? Mm. I would be checking the label on the bottle as to right. how long it's lasting and, and if it is, in fact, suitable for your edible plants. But... Can I suggest if you've got caterpillars eating your leaves, one of my uh, safest options would be a caterpillar killer called Dipel. It's a bactericide that is organic and it it's very safe for you to eat the vegetables. It only targets caterpillars. So it's Dipel with, uh, it's a spray, is it? It comes as a powder, you make it into a liquid and pour that over your plants. You reapply after rain and irrigation. Oh, thank you, ladies. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Daniel. Daniel. Bye for now. Have a good good weekend. You too. And today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. And we've also had comment from Main Road saying there is heavy congestion to the Perth Garden Festival in Langley Park and plan ahead as delays are expected. So lots and lots of people trying to get out to the Perth Garden Festival today, as you would Saturday, stunning weather, doesn't get any better. So do plan ahead. Okay, you guys. So, Roz, thank you for a a brilliant morning. Yes. Quickly before we go, let's talk about one of the most exciting fungi that we'll find around at the moment. We have the ghost fungus. So the ghost (laughs) fungus glows in the dark, which is really exciting. So photographers get out there, you know, and do time exposures at night to see them. So it glows a green colour and it's a fungus that grows on the base of a tree and lots of peppermint trees around the edge of Herdsman's Lake is a good place to look for them. My local um, Daglish Park has had some in there as well. So the ghost fungus is a really exciting one to look out for and, and play with. And so in the daytime, it it's just a like normal, um, it's, a, it's a white fungus. It can look like flowers growing up the side of a mm. tree if there's a lot of them on there. It's very pretty. It is actually a saprophyte and it will eventually kill the tree, but it can take 40 or 50 years to kill the tree. So it's not going to do it in a hurry. So and you, if you've got them around your trees, enjoy them because they're very special. Oh, that is lovely. Well, you've taught us a lot today about fungi. You have. And it's That's great. I hope it opened exciting. your eyes. <laughs> you have. Thank you so much, Ros. Really appreciate it. Thanking the team. 
Thayakaro, good luck today with Thank your chat you. at 2.30 in the Rich Grow tent. Yes. And uh, and uh, we'll all be back next week. Look, it's Mother's Day tomorrow. So a big shout out to all the mums, grandmums, mums to be. Yes, finger up, finger up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just quickly, Mother's Day tomorrow, the Perth Garden Festival will still be on, but also the Kalamunda Plant Fair up at Kalamunda tomorrow morning. So take Take mum out for the Her, day. There's and... lots of places you can take mum. Uh, big shout out to my own mum, Vi Shaw. Love you dearly. Thank you for all that you do. Now, next, Jim Crinan with the classic 70s. And my gardenism for the morning is Autumn whispered to the wind, I fall but always rise again. Happy gardening, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.